Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. Good morning. I'm going to learn uh, from my last week's error and not put my hand down here so I don't cut off my voice at all. Um, But it's good to be back here with you again this weekend. If you were not here last weekend or any other time I've been here, my name is Adam. Uh, I am all the way from Ottawa. And uh, Pastor John asked me to come and and share while he was away. And I love love coming here. I said last week I've been coming here uh, once a year for the last about three years, maybe four. I'm not sure anymore. Um, And so I, I don't consider myself a guest anymore. I just consider myself a distant relative who shows up every so often and makes a lot of noise. I guess that's what I do. I'm the one who comes to the parties, and you're like, oh, great, he's here. This is good. But uh, I'm excited to be here, and I, and I hope you've had a, a great week. I know I've had a great week, and I'm excited about um, the rest of the summer. I, I can't lie, though, I, I, I'm not a real big fan of the heat. If you um, like hot weather, uh, we're different. I look forward to fall. I wish fall was all year round. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't happen. Um, but uh, I look forward to when I can go outside and not worry about melting. That would be, uh, that would be great. But uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd love for you to turn to the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 20. It's in the Old Testament. And so if you start at Genesis, you can make your way over a few chapters and you'll find it. Um, As I said last time, if you're in Revelation, you've gone way too far, all right? Um, As you turn there, um, last week we had a moment to speak about um, be still and know that I am God. The idea of be still is to, one to be silent, and oftentimes in our faith, in our, in our journey, in our relationship with God, there is uh, oftentimes where we are doing all the talking, where we are doing all the communicating, but we are not allowing him to speak to us, and we stop being silent for a few moments to let him speak to us. Scripture tells us, let those who have ears to hear, let them hear. God desires to speak to you. He is a God who is always speaking to his people. We often think to ourselves, well, I can't hear God's voice. I can't hear God's voice. And my question to you sometimes, if you can't hear his voice, are you at least reading his voice? And as you read his voice, you will then be able to properly hear his voice. But we need to become active listeners in our relationship with him, listening for the things that he's saying. And and in every situation that you find yourself in, are you listening? So we know to remain quiet or to be silent. The other one is to remain calm. And so often it's, it's easy for us to, to panic. It's easy for us to, to get a little bit nervous or anxious in situations that are uncomfortable to us. But he says to us, look, remain calm because I'm in control. And if you understand who I am, you will know that I have all of this worked out. So just remain calm. And so we remain calm because we know who he is. And we know who he is because we take moments to be silent before him and listen to him and take in who he is through, the, uh, through what we read in scripture. And if you can understand who he is, it'll allow you to breathe a little bit easier because you know what he's going to do, what he can do, what he has the ability to do. But this morning what I want to do is I want to talk to you about, an, about another piece of, of our faith, of our journey with him that comes out of the silence with him. Because in the silence as he speaks to us, there comes direction for us. There comes a, 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 a almost a 
a life plan for you that comes out of it for every day. As you take moments every day to be silent and to, to listen, he speaks to you about what's going on currently, what will be happening, what you're facing that day, and it's direction on how you are to operate. We, we see that you have a salt and light conference. The reality is this, we are called to be people of salt and light unto this world. And there are certain things that we are required to do because God is saying, hey, I want you to do this because that will do this and do that. And it reveals him. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But, but as we live out that thing called obedience from what we hear him saying to us in the silence, it'll allow us to go even deeper in a relationship with him and to impact everybody around us. Let's just read our scripture this morning. We're going to start in um, uh, Numbers chapter 20. And I'm going to read through verses 1 to 13 if you're okay with that this morning. It says, And the people of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin the first month. And the people stayed in Kadesh. And Miriam died there and was buried there. So we start off really encouraging this morning, all right? Miriam has just died. It says in verse 2, Now there was no water for the congregation. And they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people quarreled with Moses and said, Would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we should die here, both we and our cattle? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their face. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. And then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice, and water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is so crucial here in verse 12, he said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the people of the, of the Lord quarreled with the Lord, and through them he showed himself holy. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much again for your word and the truth that it speaks. I pray that in these next few moments this morning, we would not just gather more information, but in this place today, we would, we would receive application for our hearts. God, I believe with everything in me that as we... Allow your word to infiltrate who we are, infiltrate our heart. It'll impact every other part of our life, how we live, how we think, how we speak, how we respond. Everything will be impacted because of your word. So, Lord, would you move in an incredible way this morning. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. I want you to think, and for some of you this will be not very difficult because it might have happened within the last hour, but, but I want you to think for a moment about the last time that you clearly disobeyed orders. Some of you are like, I just, I just did actually. On the way here, I was told, do not turn on that red light, and I did. 
and I broke the law. Okay, but, but clearly think about the time that you clearly uh, disobeyed orders. I remember this one time I was coming home from school, and uh, I was in elementary school. I grew up in, in, on the south shore of Montreal in a place called St. Bruno. Um, in fact that you don't really need to know, but I'm just so proud of it. Uh, last year it was rated as the number one place to raise kids uh, in Canada, which no surprise, like look at me, all right? And, and so, so it, it was just a great town, and it's a small town. I was an English kid in a very French-populated town, um, but I went to this great elementary school, and one day on the way back from school, uh, I noticed something different about our neighborhood, and what was different was there were actually buses of police officers. There were, um, there were other vehicles that belonged to the police. There were just vehicles everywhere that our bus was going. We noticed police officers were scattered around. Now, the bus for me dropped me off behind my house on another street, and I would just walk through the field and get to my house. But even behind my house, there were police officers everywhere. And so I just kind of walked on the fence line, and I, I, I come into the house, and I'm like, Mom, what's happening and she said, well, the police came to our door and they told us to stay inside, that we were not allowed to leave the house. And so when you tell a student in grade six that you cannot leave the house, you are going to do not that. You are going to leave the house. And so I could see from, from our front window that there was police officers in the field across from my house looking down the street at something. I had no idea what it was, but I was curious as to know what was taking place on my street. And so I walk out and I just stroll down my driveway and I stand on the end of the driveway and I just kind of look around. I kind of acknowledge the police officer. I don't know why I did that. And then I just kind of looked down to see what they were looking at and, and didn't really see anything. I'm like, this is very uneventful. And so I just casually walked back inside my house. Within about a minute or two, there was a knock at my side door. And I opened up the door and there was a police officer there. And he says, uh, I'm sorry, um, we have asked all residents to stay inside their house. And he said this, if you do this again, if you come outside again, we are going to evacuate you from your house. Now, I listened now. The first time, I'm like, you know what? Who's the police officer to tell my mom? I mean, here's what we do as kids especially. Like, he didn't tell me. He told my mom. So I guess that's okay for me to not listen to. You know, it's just secondhand information. What if my mom was lying to me? Because does she do that? I don't know. And so I walked out, and he's like, if you do that again, we will have to evacuate you from your house. And so that night I had a baseball practice. And so I had to figure out how do I get out of my house to go to baseball practice. So I got on my bike and I made my way through the field again around and got to baseball. Well, on the way home from baseball, uh, my mom actually passed me driving on the road. And she said, Adam, don't go home. I'm like, why? She goes, we've been evacuated. And I'm like... Oh, great. Did I, am I the reason for this? Now, to, to, to kind of, you know, put your curiosity rest, what happened was about eight houses down from ours. Now, when I say eight houses, that was eight normal spaced houses, not like today where that would be 30 houses, but this is about eight houses spaced out. Um, down the street, there was a man who had locked himself in his house, and uh, he had basically held the whole street hostage. And they actually said that he was so dangerous that he actually could have had bombs planted in every single one of our backyards and we would not have known anything about it. And so he had actually fired a warning shot at the house in front of him at one point. And uh, it was just a sad situation. We were evacuated from our house for over a week and put up in a hotel by the city. And it was just an incredible 
crazy, crazy time. But my disobedience, I don't want to say got us evacuated. I will leave it as somebody else got us evacuated. But it, it got us into a little bit of trouble. And our obedience, as we go into our topic this morning, our obedience is crucial to not just our lives, but the lives of those people that we come in contact with every day. The story that we have this morning is, is a common theme with the Israelites from the moment they were set free from Egypt. If you don't know the story of the Israelites, they were uh, basically held captive in a sense by the Egyptians. And the Egyptians said, we're going to make them work for us. And they worked and they worked and they worked. And, and, and what happened was the Israelites cried out to God saying, God, would you free us from Egypt? Would you get us out of this place? We don't want to be here anymore. Can you get us going? And all of a sudden there's this moment where there's this guy Moses hanging out on this, uh, uh, taking care of his father-in-law's work. And, and he's hanging out and and uh, he hears and he sees something pretty unique. And the voice of the Lord is speaking to him from inside a bush that is not being consumed but is burning. And he goes over and he says, Moses, I am asking you to go and to free my people. And he says this, I have heard their cries. I have heard them call out to me. And I'm going to get them out of Egypt. Now I need you to go and take care of this. And Moses is like, you've got the wrong guy. I cannot do this. He's like, yes, you can. He goes, no, you, you don't understand. I stutter. I can't. I can't do that. He's like, yes, you can. He goes, no, really, I can't. And I love what he says. Okay, fine. Bring Aaron with you. We'll, bring, we'll let you bring somebody with you, but you're still going to do this. And he says to him, I love this part that God says to him. He goes, look, it really has nothing to do with you anyways. I'm going. I will do this. And isn't it funny, so often when God asks us to do something, we evaluate based off of our ability and our uh, means of doing things. And when God asks you to do something that you know is beyond you, it's not because that, that he's setting you up to fail. It's because he's setting himself up to reveal himself as God. And God desires to reveal himself through your life and to take your life and to be made known through you as salt and light into this place. And he reveals himself through you, but he needs you to step out in obedience and do what you are called to do. And he says, I can't. What do I, what do I tell them when they say, who sent you? Just say that I am sent you. And I can just see Moses sitting there taking notes. I am what? Just tell them I am sent you, okay? Go continue saying, I am what? Like, just can you keep going, please? No, I am. Whatever they, they need, I am that. And that's the God that we serve, that whatever you need, he is that. You need help with your job, he is that person. You, you, need, job with you, need, you need provision for finances, he is that. God is all things that you need in this life. There is nothing more that you need added to the equation. If you have God, you are okay. If you have God, you will survive. If you have God, you are protected. If you have God, everything in your life fits together the way it's supposed to fit. And so he sends Moses, and if you know the story, he goes and he, he says to Pharaoh, he goes, I, I'm, I would like the Israelites to be set free, and we're going to go and worship God in the wilderness, which is also interesting, just as a side note. That we often think about that moment as, oh yeah, they're going to the promised land. But he actually specifies so that they can worship God in the wilderness. 
which means it doesn't matter where you find yourself, whether it's good or whether it's barren, whether it's awesome, whether it's just mediocre, worship can take place anywhere and everywhere because our God is not limited to time and space. He has the ability to be at all things in all places, and so you have the ability to worship him even when you find yourself in the wilderness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because my God is with me. So we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid, but we can also rejoice and worship in that season of drought. So he goes to him and he says, I want to go. And he says, no, let's actually make them work harder and make it more difficult for them. And what did they say? Great. Thanks a lot, Moses. Thanks a lot, God. Why would you do this to us? But if you know the story continues and they decide to finally let the Israelites go and they, I'm sure, are celebrating. Like, we did it. We're out of Egypt. We knew it, Moses. We knew this was going to go as planned. This is amazing. And they find themselves in front of the Red Sea. And behind them is an Egyptian army. And this Egyptian army is now coming after them. They're like, Moses, thanks a lot. We're going to die and it's all your fault. God, thank you. Why would you bring us here? Why would you bring us to this place? Why would you bring us to this situation? And we know what happens. He sticks out his staff. The waters open up. They walk through. And the Egyptians go through. And the water crashes down. And they, they, they die. And on the other side is a celebration. Like, yes, God is so good. Moses, you, we knew it. You're a great leader. This is amazing. This is amazing. Hey, we're hungry. And when they're hungry, what happens? We got no food. Thanks a lot, Moses. You're a horrible leader. God, what were you doing? We're going to die here, really? It would be better for us to have stayed in Egypt. Thanks a lot, God. And God provides food. Yes, God, you're so good. You are amazing. Moses, you're a fantastic leader. Aaron, you're doing a great job as an assistant pastor. Great job. It's amazing. All of a sudden, they're thirsty. <laughs> I need something to drink. Moses, what have you done to us? You're a horrible leader. God, what are you doing? Why? It would be better for us to die in Egypt. Thanks a lot, God. Aaron, you're to blame too. You're the assistant pastor. This is horrible. God provides for them in a very unique way. We're hungry again. Complain, 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 complain. Everything. Isn't it good to know that the church has changed over all these years, that, that we no longer complain about leadership, we no longer complain to God, that when things are going bad, we're like, I will rejoice and I will say amen, and when things are good, we rejoice. It's, it's amazing that things have changed. Maybe this church is perfect, I know that, and so we don't have to worry about that, but, but it's the constant, you know, when things don't go as planned, we have to find somebody to blame because it's never our fault. We have to find somebody who is to blame in the situation. It has to be God's fault. God, why would you do this to me? God, why would you do that to me? I'm telling you very honest, and you've heard my story, that I was there at one point. Like, God, did you really bring me out to do this? Did you really set me up to fail? Did you really plan for this to happen in my journey? And there's just moments where you're like, God, where are you? And I, I, if, you, if you heard my story, I think it was a, few, a, a couple of years ago or maybe last year when I spoke, and I shared that the, I came to a point after leaving our church and, 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 and venturing out into the ministry that I do now, completely by faith and just trusting God, there was moments where I thought, you know what, God, you have forgotten me. You have forgotten my family. And I kid you not, this is, if this offends anybody that I say this, but this is just honesty and I can't help it. Um, but there was a moment where I said to my wife, I'm like, what other religions are cool? Because I'm like, God, doesn't make sense to me. And then... Within 24 hours of that comment, God showed up. I'm like, God, you're so good. You are a great leader. I just don't know why I would ever think it twice. But 
But you know what that moment has done is that it has encouraged me in my next moments that were difficult. Because I sit and I remember what he's done and who he is. And I rejoice now in the wilderness rather than complain about the wilderness because I know the wilderness brings me to my next mountaintop experience. But isn't it funny as well is that not only were they complaining, but they complained about going back to something that they hated. They were, they said, let us go back to Egypt. Well, it'd be better for us to go there. At least we have something. And so often our retreating from what God has in front of us is to go back to something that we knew we hated and wanted out of to begin with. But we go back to it because we understand it, we get it, and it makes sense to in our, in our head. Even though we know it's not right for us, it's just right at the moment. But what's in the past, God has said, look, you can embrace and, and rejoice over what has happened and what you've come through, but please do not live in the past. Do not live there because there is so much life for you to live in front of you. But we all of a sudden have this, I just want to see what happens. This is what happens on the road when there's, when there's an accident. You're like, why is there so much traffic on the highway? Because people are doing this. And it, it stops us from properly moving forward when we keep looking back at something. When, we, when God removes us from something, we are to let it go and to move forward. Yes, we remember what God has done for us, but we embrace for what he has for us and ahead of us. But the Israelites came to this point where they're like, let's go back. And I love what they said in their complaint. They said, we're thirsty. We're thirsty. Are you really going to let us die? And you know what? You know who else is thirsty? Our animals. And I love all of a sudden they went all like, you know, animal talk. It was like, it was like Sarah McLaughlin played a song in the background. I will remember. Sorry for ruining my voice. And so, but, but it's just this moment of, see God, not only us, but you don't even care about our cattle. Like, how could you do that? Our livestock is going to die. Thanks a lot, God. Moses, do you see this? Our livestock is going to die. This is crazy. So Moses and Aaron, they leave what's happening, this complaint, and they go and they see God. This is that moment where they are to be still and know that he is God. But in that moment of be still and know that he is God, God's going to speak and he's going to get some clear direction. And from it requires obedience. And so Moses and Aaron go and they sit before the Lord and they say, God, what do we do? Tell us. Like, we, we need to know how to operate in this situation. They're thirsty and they're afraid of dying. But God, I don't know if you've heard this, but they're also worried about their animals. Can you please save the animals, Lord? We need somebody to care about animals. God's like, okay, here's what I want you to do. All right, let's, let's do this. And so they get their, their tablet and a pencil, and they start writing notes down. And he's like, I want you to grab the staff. Check, got the staff. And then I want you to assemble the crowd of people. Okay, get the crowd of people. All right, give me a new rock to write. Okay, there we go. Give me. Starts writing it out. He goes, and, and I, Moses all of a sudden starts to clue into something. He goes, Aaron, he's now going to tell me to get a rock. Watch this. Keep going, Lord. Okay, I want you to get a staff. I want you to get the people. And I want you to get a rock. Thank you. He's now going to tell me he hit the rock and water's going to come out. Just watch. You're a rookie. Just watch. And God's like, okay, I want you to get the staff. I want you to get the people. I want you to get a rock. And I want you to speak to the rock. <laughs> See, I told you he wants me to hit the rock. What, what? You, you want me to do what? I want you to speak to a rock. 
Aaron, I know I stutter, but I'm also hard of hearing. I think he said that he wants me to speak to a rock. Yeah, that's pretty much what he said. Okay, God, we have a problem. Um, I don't know rock. I don't know how to speak rock. I've never spoken that language. Is there some kind of move of the spirit that also allows that to happen? I have no idea. And he's like, okay. And he goes, okay, Moses, Aaron, get the staff, get the people, get the rock, and then speak to the rock. Yeah, yeah, we got all of that, God. We got all of that. And I can just see Moses, you know, his countenance probably changed. Like, how am I, how am I going to do this? And he's like, okay, Aaron, staff. Get the people, and then all of a sudden they walk out, and all the crowds all out there. This morning we'll pretend you're the crowd, and, and Moses is standing there, and he has his little rock set up over here, and he's like, "Um, everybody, come hither, come, come, just come, come over here, listen, just come here, please, before I pass out." Um, so a lot of you have been complaining that there's a lack of water. Is that what you want? And someone's like, of course, we're thirsty. Move on with it. And you can almost see that they see the rock. And you've got to understand, it previously happened once before where God said to him, I want you to hit a rock and water will come out of it. So now the congregation is seeing. He's got the staff. He's got the people. He's got the rock. He's going to hit the rock. Water's going to come out. We'll be okay. This is good. Just hit the rock and we'll get on with this. I love when he says this to him, and I would encourage you that if ever you um, stand up in front of an audience, that you don't go this way, this route that Moses does. But he's like, you rebels, like don't start with that. That's not, a, if you ever do a TED Talk or any kind of preaching, don't start off, you rebels who are far from God and your hearts are hard. Ease into it, okay, ease into it. And he calls them, goes, do you want some water? And the crowd's kind of getting excited now. Yes, well, of course, we're so thirsty. He goes, no, I need to know. And now Moses is going all motivational speaker here. He's super excited. And he's like, do you want some water? They're like, yes, water. He goes, I need to know. This side, do you want some water? They're like, yeah, we want some water. He goes, let me hear you, H2O. And so every time he says H2O, they're like, oh, H2O. Like, it's exciting. The place is going crazy. And they're like, come on, Moses. Yeah. It's amazing. Now, please pause. Pause for a moment. If you are new to church, this is not word for word in scripture, okay? I'm just kind of, I'm taking the truth of the story and I'm just playing it out for you to be able to kind of see what's happening. So if you are looking, where's the H2O part? I have no idea. Did they figure that out that early on in, in history? This is crazy. No, okay? But please come back. Next week's pastor will be much more biblical than I am. I apologize, all right? Now Moses has this dilemma because in front of him is a crowd of thirsty people who just want water to drink and they've made it clear by their cheers and they want water and he has this rock that apparently has water inside of it. I don't know the last time you grabbed a rock and water come out of it. I don't know if that's ever happened. I'm not talking about one of those fake ones that you plug into a wall and water comes out and it's a fountain. I'm talking about an actual rock. That water has to come out and not just make one person's thirst go away, but an entire group of people and their livestock, because their livestock are dying of thirst. And Moses is now kind of pacing. And I wonder if at one point Aaron's like, come on, just get on with it. And he's just walking around. And I wonder if for a moment, there was a moment where he and the rock had a conversation. Are we going to do this? Your last 
brother, he produced water. Can you produ- I need to know, are you going to produce water? What's the command? What word should I use? I have no idea how to speak to a rock. I just see him kind of panicking. And so he's like, are you sure you want water? Yes, Moses, we want water. And he has his staff, and he has this rock. And in a moment, everything changes. And when I say everything changes, I don't just mean like in this current situation, but future destiny is impacted by what is about to happen in this one split moment. Because in this moment, as he looks at a rock and he sees the body of people, he sees the congregation, and he has a decision to make, do I fall in line with what God has told me to do, or do I go with what I've done before, because I know before it produced something. So he takes his staff and he hits the rock twice. And you can see people in the crowd saying, Moses does it again. He did it again. He hit the rock and water came out. Man, Moses is such an incredible leader. And water comes out and everybody's like celebrating. And Moses is on some of their shoulders and like, Moses, Moses. And he's like, it's not just me, Aaron too. You get up here too. And they're celebrating. And you know that moment when you do something pretty awesome and you kind of, go to celebrate with maybe your parents or just a friend, or you go to tell them, and he's like, God, look what we did. This is amazing. And you know in that moment of celebration and excitement, and you don't hear the response that you thought you were going to hear, and he's like, God says to Moses, he said, hey, Moses, remember that promised land? Um, You're not going to lead them into it. God, water came out like we've taken care of this you can't do it because in this moment what you've done is you have not only disobeyed me but you did not reveal me to my people and when you don't reveal me they have a hard time to trust me your obedience matters church your obedience matters from the smallest little bit of obedience. I'll give you an example. My, my daughter, Addison, I've talked about her before. She's our blonde hair, blue-eyed. Uh, love her. But she is, um, what's the word? Stubborn. And um, she is just determined. She is confident. At school, she is an angel. They love her at school. She hugs her teachers. I'm like, where's that hug for me? Like, I want to know where that is. Um, but she... Um, has her own ideas of how life works. And so recently we went on a walk with our dog because we had four kids. We thought, what could be better? Let's add a dog to our life. And so we added a dog and went for a walk. And uh, on this walk, um, I I see her getting ready to go out and she puts on um, these boots that are for the winter. Like, what are you doing? She goes, I'm wearing my boots. I'm like, you're not wearing boots. Like, don't wear boots. And she's like, I want to wear boots. I'm like, you're not wearing boots. And I'm like, Addison, put on your flip-flops. She's like, no, I want to wear boots. I'm like, just put on your flip-flops. This time she listened. The next time we go on a walk, what does she do? Boots. But not only did she wear boots, she wore boots with no socks. So the walk to the park was decent. She's happy. We're going to go play in the park. We're going to play in the park. It was a few moments heading back from the park where she starts to cry and scream. And we don't know what's happening. We think, do we call an ambulance? And she's like, ah, it hurts. 
hurts? I'm like, what hurts? Like, tell me, show me where it hurts. Like, what is going on? My feet. She has developed blisters on her heels from not wearing socks in winter boots. Now, just picture for a moment a young girl wearing summer clothes and winter boots. And she's just walking along, you know, just enjoying life until blisters hit and now everything is over. And now I also think my daughter loves Band-Aids. Um, she just keeps them for years, and, uh, and she just has them all over her body. She's like, ow, I'm going to get hurt today. Put a Band-Aid on me. That's just kind of how it operates for her. But she screams and she screams, and you know what happened is one, out of her disobedience to her parents, hurts herself. Two, hurts her parents' ears for her complaining the entire time back. Disobedience hurts us those people around us. But why the disobedience? Fear is a common thing. But here's what I actually think is a problem for a lot of us, and that's feelings. In our relationship with God, because we... I don't feel like this person treated me correctly. I don't feel like God is being just. I don't feel, and feelings is something that complicates our life with God because... Feelings tell us to do something other than what God is telling us to do. Adam, I want you to leave your job, and I want you to live by faith, traveling and speaking. God, I don't feel like that's a good idea. I, I just, I don't, I don't think that's how this is supposed to go. I don't feel. Here's the thing about feelings. Feelings change every minute to the next. My wife and I get into an argument. I don't feel... Like my spouse respects me. I don't feel like she loves me. I don't feel like this is going to work. I don't feel like I should stay with her. This is not my story. I'm just telling you an example, okay? I don't feel. And what feelings tell us is, you know what? Maybe I should try somebody else who will make me feel good. But nowhere in Scripture does it say operate by feelings. I'm trying to find it still. If you ever find it where we operate by feelings. Now, please hear me. I do believe there is a conviction that can happen in our life. I do believe that God prompts things in our spirit. But when it comes to just relying on our own feelings based out of fear, what happens is we get off track with what God wants us to do and we lose track of where he wants us to go. Feelings can impact us in a bad way. Feelings can hurt our journey. Feelings can hurt the outcome. God, I don't feel like this is the right idea. Moses, grab the rock, and I want you to speak to a rock. God, I, I don't feel like this is going to work. Well, the life that God calls us to is a life of faith. And he says, look, you want to please me? It'll be through faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God, the God that we serve, a God who says faith is the general way that we would operate in this journey with him, faith. Faith pleases him. Obedience declares our love for him. He says this, if you love me, you'll do my commands. If you love me, you're going to do as I say. Why? Because you will know in faith that I am who I said I am, 
and I will do what I said I was going to do. I will provide for you. I will protect you. I will care for you. What the things I call you to, I will make sure that all things work according to plan. Not your plan, my plan. And my plan for you is good. My plan for you is perfect. My plan for you will see you through some of the darkest moments, even when you go through those darkest moments. But obedience. But Pastor Adam, you don't know my life. You don't know my situation. You don't know what I'm going through. I've done this and I've done that. I've given this many hours to this and I've done this many hours. I've prayed this many times and I did this. How come, how come, how come God is not doing this for me? Why, why should I have to do this? Please hear me. Your sacrifice is noted. Your sacrifice is appreciated. The sacrifices you make to do the things that you do, the sacrifices that you make when it comes to your relationship with God are great and they are fantastic. Thank you so much. Take a nice pat on the back. I'm not trying to diminish anything, but please hear me. Sacrifice is not the same thing as obedience. He actually says obedience is greater than sacrifice. And if you want to compare sacrifices, let's just talk about Jesus for a moment. And so if that's your sacrifice, we can start talking. But he sent his son to die on a cross for you so that you could have eternity with him. So that you can go back to your original state that we were supposed to have that was messed up in the garden by a, name, by a guy named Adam. Don't hold it against me. But this guy named Adam ruined things in the garden where he disobeyed and it impacted everybody else. So he's not trying to just get you saved. He's trying to get you to enjoy a life of fullness with him. You know that, I think I've said this before, but, but salvation was not the original plan for your life. Got quiet because I'm, some of you are like, wait, is that heresy? I don't know if that's heresy or not. Okay, no. Salvation was not the original plan for your life. Salvation came into play because the original plan for your life was ruined. The original plan for your life was for intimacy with him, a relationship with him. And so he had to fix what was done in the garden so that you can go back to your original state with him, experiencing all the goodness that God has for your life. But obedience is crucial. Moses traveled and journeyed with a bunch of complainers for the longest time, hearing how poor of a leader he was facing difficult moments, had an army chasing him, all of those things to lead people to a promised land, and they're just about there, and God says, Moses, you can't go in. And I know that comes across really harsh, and I know that comes across a little bit mean, like, God, really? Like, you couldn't accept him? Like, why, why not just make a pass on that? Like, why not just say, okay, we'll let you get through with all of this? And I get that. I understand the sentiment behind it. But here's the thing. Obedience matters. It matters to your life. It matters to your spiritual health. So what you hear in the quiet time, what you hear when you are silent before him, what you hear when you sit before him and you are be still and know that he has got what you hear, the directions you get, the directions you read about, we are called to live according to that word, according to his voice for our life because he knows better than we do about our own life. But God, it doesn't make sense. I heard an illustration a long time ago that God, when he watches a parade, he sees the beginning from the end. 
that a kid who is at a parade, maybe if you were to see the Santa Claus parade down in, down in Toronto and you were to see the beginning, you're like, oh, this is amazing, this is incredible, and you don't know what's next, and you're just waiting, like, wow, this is amazing. Wow, that's incredible. And it passes through, and we see the next thing. This is amazing. And there's a surprise at every moment. There's a surprise every few minutes because something new comes along. But when it comes to God, he is not taken back. He is not surprised because he stands above everything and sees the beginning of the parade, and he sees the end of the parade. And, he's, and we are sitting there saying, God, why this? Just hang on. you got to see what's coming next. He knows what's best for your life. I don't know what you're going through today, and God's maybe asking you to do some things that are beyond your comfort zone. But please hear me. Your comfort zone does not matter in this situation. And I know that's a little harsh, and you're like, can we have Pastor John back? I get that, but, but please hear me on this. Your comfort is irrelevant when it comes to obedience. Because God knows in obedience you will find a greater comfort. So obedience matters because obedience hurts us. And here's what obedience does. Obedience reveals our trust in God. Reveals our trust in Him. Because when we trust Him, we will allow Him to do and say and to direct us into certain things. But there's areas of our life where we're not sure we trust Him yet. God, I'm not sure if I can trust you with this situation. And so we keep it protected. We keep it guarded. But God said, just trust me with everything. I'm in control. But here's the second thing. That I want to focus on as we as we close this morning. Obedience reveals God. So obedience reveals our trust in Him, but obedience reveals God. And this part is so huge because there are people outside of this building who may never step inside this building. And they need to know that Jesus died for their sin. They need to know that there was a God who was alive and who was active and who was working on their behalf and who made the, 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 the proper steps so that they could have a relationship with him, but they will never find themselves in church for whatever reason. Maybe they think there's a bunch of hypocrites and they don't realize that there are also some in the world. We get that. But your obedience to him reveals him. And the only way people will ever be able to receive him is if he's revealed to them. He says, look... I, Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how do they know who to call on if they never heard about him? And my question is, how are they ever going to hear about him if they never step inside a church? Maybe, just maybe, like we heard on that little clip before. The church is not this. The church is us going out and revealing him so others can receive him. And it's about living a life of obedience so that he could reveal. He says this, look, Moses, I can't let you go, and here's why. Today, what you did is you disobeyed me, and when you disobeyed me, you prevented others from seeing me as holy. You prevented others from seeing me for who I really am and what I could really do. And God, they got water, yes. Even man can do some pretty cool things. But they've already seen the whole hit the rock with a stick thing. But could you imagine someone speaking rock and water coming out? You know what I find funny about that whole situation is that Moses had a hard time speaking to a rock, but he was okay with hitting a rock. Like, just think about that for a moment. He's like, oh, yeah, sure, let's try hitting a rock. That'll produce water. Pfft, speak to a rock? That sounds crazy. No, they both sound crazy. But one was just a little bit less crazy than the other. 
People are looking for evidence that God is alive. Everywhere. I've shared stories with you um, about my past and, and my, my growing up in high school, and I'm, I'm pretty convinced, I may not be accurate, but I'm pretty convinced I was the only Christian in my high school growing up. Yes, my brother went to my, church, my school too. But I'm, I, I don't know of anybody else that was a Christian in my school. And in my last year of high school, I've shared this, I, I decided to, to truly live for God in a way that I hadn't done before and just step up to the plate in a sense. And I changed high schools in my last year of high school. And, and I'm not going to go into detail of all these stories because you've heard them before and, and they mean a lot to me. And they just, they, since I've told them last, like new things keep happening based off of what happened in one year of high school. And, and I remember this one moment where it was like my, my moment of telling everybody that I'm a Christian. And it was one of those moments where, well, it happened in two separate moments. The first one was driving home from a soccer tournament game, and my coach, um, Mr. Black, who is a friend of mine and, and, and love him, and he's just an incredible guy, and he's like, where can I drop you off? I said, can you drop me off at church? And he's like, church? What do you do at church? And I'm like, I go to, I go to youth on Friday nights. He's like, okay, cool. And then on Monday, I go to the office, and I'm sitting there with a bunch of the um, phys ed teachers. I'm going to use their keys to go in the gym. And he says, Adam, Adam tell everybody what you do on Friday nights. I'm like, well, that's kind of awkward. And I, got, I go to church, and the first response was somebody in the background saying, who's the girl? And I'm like, ah, Jessica, but still, it's besides the point. <laughs> and, uh, and people started finding out that I was a Christian. But the one moment that kind of changed a lot of things was I was in drama class, and my, my teacher, Miss Small, who, who we still talk, and actually she posted recently on uh, I posted, you know, people book me for your church event, book me for this, and she actually ret um, um, shared it on Facebook, and she's like, he was my student, he became my friend, you should book this young man. She's not a Christian, but she promotes me to speak everywhere. And, uh, and she, says, uh, she says to me, or she says to our class in drama class, she says, like, who really goes to church anymore? And I'm like, oh, great, God, you really, you up to this? You know, like we grew up in, in one of the most unreached places in North America, if not the world, uh, in, in Quebec. And, and, uh, and so they don't go to church. And so I, I'm sitting there and she's like, who goes to church anymore? And I, I, she's like, really? And from that day on, my nickname became Churchy. That was my nickname for the rest of my year of high school. Some of you get made fun of by friends. I got made fun of by teachers. And, uh, and but we, we were, I, I didn't take it as an insult. It was, it was cool for me. But, but things have happened since then, and I, I've chosen to, I chose then, and I choose today to live a life on purpose that reveals him because there's no, nothing that I can say or do that will ever change somebody's life. But every bit of changing that will happen in the human heart comes through an encounter of his presence. And so my goal and your goal and my role and your role is to bring the presence of God wherever we go. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back. We're going to respond in worship this, this morning. But our, our obedience to him matters because there are people who are watching. I want to just read to you just a, a very quick thing that took place on Facebook just 48 hours ago. This was a friend of mine, and, and I don't, when I say this, I, I don't say it to brag at all. I say it just to talk about this whole idea of revealing him. My, one of my best friends growing up was a guy by the name of Greg, and um, we were born the exact same day, exact same year, exact same hospital. 
And uh, we became friends in grade three, even though we went to school together in kindergarten, grade one and grade two. But in grade three, we became friends and, and uh, started hanging out a lot. And I went to his house for the first time. And, and, uh, and, and I remember um, he told me later on in life that his mom said after the first time I went there, I was never going to be allowed back again. Um, that's, I guess I was a hyper kid. And so it's like, he's not coming back here. Over the next few years after that, I became a son to them, and they would, they would take me to my basketball games. I'd hang out with them all the time. Um, they would have me at their house pretty much every day. But this is what he wrote on, on Facebook just the other day. He, he records his conversations that he has with his young kids, and so his kid is nine years old. And I don't see my friend Greg often. We have seen each other about once in the last ten years. Um, but social media can be a good place at times. And he says this, and I'm assuming that what happened was he used some bad language in his house because he's not a Christian. And his son says to him, hey, Dad, maybe you should try, hey, flip face, stop being a something brain. Instead, there are kids in the house. And so he's telling his dad, maybe you should speak a little bit more respectfully. There are kids here. And he says, I'm sorry, man, you're right. You don't know him yet, but your Uncle Adam will be proud to hear this. He sees me as some person, I guess, who doesn't like swearing. And so he's like, Uncle Adam will like to hear that. And I said to him, I said, this is great. I'm happy to hear that I'm thought of in this way. At the same time, his version of the story was great creativity. And he writes this back to me. And this one, it meant a lot to me. And I got a little bit emotional when I read it just because of, of who he is and that he writes this. And he says this to me. He goes, Adam, when I think of a good man, you are and forever will be the man I think of. You taught me from as far back as I can remember, without even trying, how a real human interacts with and loves others, unconditionally and with understanding. I am proud to call you my best friend. Now, I want you to just listen to that for a moment. We grew up doing very different things. The only thing we did similar was play basketball. But we did some very different things. And he shares a story of, just with me, he shared a story with me recently about how he almost died a few years back he was working and it's been a really bad week for him and he fell down a flight of stairs and was basically in a coma for a pretty good amount of time. Almost died. He shared this because, and I don't share this as a plug, but if you want to go listen to it, you can, but I have a podcast called Jilly Talks, G-I-L-L-Y Talks. And the only thing behind this podcast is this, is I want people to share their stories because stories have power. Stories have the ability to change lives. Now, if you venture out and listen to this podcast, I tell you now, I'm a Christian. I interview some Christians, but sometimes I don't interview Christians because everybody's story matters. My hope is that as people listen to some people's stories who are Christians, is that my friends who are not Christians, their life will be impacted and changed. I had somebody who shared a story about their friend, about, their, uh, about them trying to commit suicide. They tried three times hanging themselves and it didn't work. Now he's preaching the gospel in schools and he goes and he's sponsored by New Balance and he does all these kind of things. And I had a friend from my past hear that podcast and he says, Adam, can I share my story? And I'm like, tell me. And I knew, but he's like, my dad did commit suicide. I'm like, you want to share about your perspective? He said, yeah. And I have people writing me from my past, from my high school life who just know who I am and know what I was like and they're like, hey, I love what you're doing. You know what? I really appreciate you. Always respected me. You always, you were always nice to me. Thank you so much. I had a guy write to me. He's like, Adam, uh, I'm really excited for your podcast. How can I help you? I'm like, what do you mean? Can you help me? And he's like, how can I help you? I said, he said, can I get you some kind of things to help record your podcast? I'm like, well, what do you mean? And so I found out later. I said, what have you been doing with your life? He goes, well, I just finished doing X Men. I'm like, wait, what? He goes, 
I work on the movie X-Men doing special effects. I'm like, get out of here, are you for real? He's like, let me help you get some equipment. I'm like, yes? I don't know what else to say, yes, that's a good idea. And I have people who are not Christians, who believe in what I'm doing. Why? Because I'm a Christian who's not just pretending to be a Christian. I'm a Christian who loves people. I'm revealing him. And I actually think it's not even having anything to do with me. It has everything to do with him. As you reveal him, others want to know more about you because they know the more they know about you, the more they know about him. People want a relationship with God. They're just not aware that's what they're actually looking for. But it's going to require you being obedient to the things that he has called you to do. Love people. Love God and love others. Love your enemy. But that's really difficult. I have some enemies that I don't really like. Get over it. When it's faced with eternity, none of that matters anymore. Eternity hangs in the balance for you and for your loved ones. For the people that you have no idea who they are, the strangers, the person you walked past or drove past on the way here this morning, they, if they were to take their last breath today, will probably not spend eternity in heaven. And that should bother us. It should really bother us that there are people who die and go to hell. And I know hell is kind of a bad word these days. We don't like to use it scary. It's kind of, you know, don't say hell. But it's a reality. And my friend Greg, I love Greg. I think he's an incredible person. And we've done some different things in our life, a lot of different things. Doesn't mean he's not deserving of what I've, of what I've experienced. I'll do whatever it takes for him to know more. Even if it's just making a podcast, being a good person. Christians should be good people. If you're a Christian and you're not a good person, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, but there are some people who are not Christian who are good people. Yes, exactly. You should try and be a good person then. But your obedience matters. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. It's not what I'm saying. There's only one person who's perfect. One person in, in, in history has lived perfectly, and we named our faith after him. Christianity. So we model to be like him. He says, be holy for I am holy. So we look to be holy. Perfection is the end game because we are perfected and we take our last breath, but we are striving for perfection from now until then. Be holy for I am holy. Part of that holiness requires obedience. My question to you this morning is this. What area of your life is God calling you to be obedient in? Is it giving? Is it a relationship that you're in? I'm not talking about marriage, another one that you're in that you know you should remove from your life? Is it in your marriage where there's some areas where you are not being obedient to the word of God, where you're not loving your wife the way you're supposed to love, where you're not being, you're, you're not being the, the proper spouse, you're not being the proper parent. What area of your life is God calling you to do something and to live a certain way and you're not? Where are you being disobedient? I'm not asking you to tell me. I'm not asking you to stand up and shout it from the rooftops this morning. But in your heart, where is God calling you to be obedient with your life? And my encouragement to you today is that before you lay your head down on the pillow and go to sleep tonight is that you make that area right with God. Fix it. 
because there is a world of people who need you to. Remember, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him and eternity. So you're like, I can't do this anymore. That's okay, you're in a good place. Because God can do it through you. If you bow your heads this morning, I want to just take a moment and invite you to one thing. And in a few moments, we're just going to sing a song of worship before we close. But I can't leave here after two weekends without asking this question. But if you're in this place, I don't know, maybe it's your first time being in a church. Maybe you've been coming for a little while and you just love this place. You love the people here. That's why you come, because you just like the company of the people. But I'm sure at some point with your, with your pastor and over the last two weeks, you've heard about this relationship with God. And you want some of that. You want that relationship. Not because you don't want to go to hell. It's a good thing. But because you want a relationship with the God who cares about you, who loves you, who sent his son to die on a cross for you. So if you've never said yes to a relationship with Jesus, what I mean by that is this. You've never said, Jesus, I believe that you lived, I believe that you died, and I believe that you rose again, and you took away my sins. If you've never made that declaration, I'm going to ask with nobody looking around, then you just lift your hand up high enough so I can see it. I want to include you this morning in a prayer. I'm just going to wait about five seconds for the greatest decision you will ever make in this life. Now I'm going to pray. When we say amen, I'm going to ask that you would stand when I say amen and that you would worship with us before we officially close this morning. Father, I thank you so much for the people that are here that call Weston Road Church home. God, I thank you for the leadership of this church. Pastor John and Priscilla are a great couple. Love people who love this community, who love this church. But I pray that this church would move past a place of comfort and would find a place of dependence on you in their personal life, in their family life, in their work life, but also when they gather here on Sundays and when they, as a church, do the things that they do, would there be a, a common understanding that as a church, we are going to fall in line with what God asks us to do? And God, as they do that, would you bless them? Would they see the rewards of their faith? Would they see people who walk these streets walk towards this place? Would they see people that they walk past every day walk to them with questions about the faith that they have, about the God that they see living inside of them? God, I pray in Jesus' name, as they live a life of obedience to you, that they would have the opportunity to lead people to their promise. Father, I pray at the same time that we would not have a burden of responsibility saying, I can't, that's just too heavy, that's just too much. God, I pray that we would understand that your burden is light. 
that we would cast all our cares on you and trust that you are in control because our obedience reveals our trust in you. But even better than that, our obedience reveals you. So God, as we sing this morning, would we do so with passion? Would we do so with enthusiasm? Would we sing praises to our God who is alive and is active here and everywhere we go today. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand this morning as we sing? Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.